wish you knew more stuff. Wish you were more helpful around the house or had an understanding of something that people are talking about at a party. Don't worry, you're not alone. That's why we have enlisted Skillshare to help you out. That's right, Skillshare is a proud sponsor of the A7FL and the A7FL's three-on-one podcast. We want you to get in on the good stuff now. So go to the link right below in the description or wherever you're watching this or go to a7fl.tv slash podcast. Click the Skillshare link and you get a free 30-day trial because you are a fan of the A7FL. So do the thing. Head on over right now to a7fl.tv slash podcast or click right in the description below if you're watching us on YouTube or if you're listening to the podcast right now. Do the thing. Click the link in the info below and sign up now. Do 30 days free because of us here at the A7FL. Well, because because we love you. We want you to have cool stuff. And now back to this piece of A7FL content, more than likely showing my face. The bye week is over. The countdown is on. We are entering the last week of the 2023 A7FL regular season. I'm Matt Ryan, and welcome to the 3-on-1 podcast, streaming basically anywhere you have ears. Joining me this week on the podcast, as always, he's my quarterback. He's Corey Hammond, and the Omegas will be in action this Sunday, closing out their first season uh, I've got about like two racks on Corey over 45 yards rushing. Uh, I bet that with Olive. She doesn't understand like betting or finances. So I've got a good shot on closing either way. And the handsome man smiling in the top left corner, Big Rob Fabian doing Big Rob things. Bachata Bob might be joining us a little bit later on. Sangria Bobby might be on deck tonight here on the podcast. But. He is from the other side of the ball, and he's kind of our boss. He is the owner of A7FL Nevada, one of the heads of the A7FL Championship Committee. One of the things we'll be talking about here tonight, Derek Duncan. Derek, welcome back. I think this is your fourth time on the show, and that makes you, I think, our most frequent guest here on the show. Wow. That's, excuse me, that's hard to believe. First of all, I didn't know we were keeping track. Secondly keeping track so well that you know I've had the most appearances. I believe Corey probably has had the most appearances on our show, so that's not so bad. That, and, that tracks. Uh, and an episode is actually named a Corey Hammond Christmas, which <laughs> I, I, I assumed that whatever that had the title to would be a little bit different, but I was I was happy to put my name on a great show. Check out the other side of the ball wherever podcasts are sold. And a very Matt Ryan Purim will be coming a little bit later on this year. Uh, it's just me in a clown outfit singing Pagliacci. It's very weird. Don't don't go to Burning Man, kids. Don't go to Burning Man. But we're burning the midnight oil heading into the A7FL playoffs. And the energy heading into Week 7 is one of anticipation. It is first date energy. It is prom night energy because everybody's just looking to get to the dance, get to the big one, July 23rd. Anderson Automotive Fieldhouse. Derek, the 
first ever East-West A7FL Championship. You guys on the other side of the ball have yielded a lot of criticism about Vegas and possibly LA's path to an A7FL Championship. Uh, where do you see the West right now? And do you believe that it's just a hop, skip, and a jump for you guys to make the hour and 45-minute ride on July 23rd from Vegas to the arena? So we'll start with the first part of your question. And guys, thanks for having me on the show. And now that we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of this stuff. Uh, so I, I am on record, and I'll say it again. I'm not, or I wasn't, a fan of the way that the playoffs are set up. I don't think that... have an automatic bid to the championship by beating teams that weren't part of the Northeast. But when they structured it that way, it gave the West a bunch of energy and had a bunch of people thinking that they could compete for a national championship, and now they're going to. And I think ultimately it's turned out to be a positive thing and a positive move for the overall league, uh, kind of a la AFC, NFC, or AFL, NFL uh, before the first Super Bowl when we weren't sure – the quality across the country or the quality of the other league, what it was going to look like. So that's where we're at now. Uh, oddly enough, the Insomniacs have gotten your guys' vote to be the number one team in the country. And, uh, I mean, just through attrition with them not losing any games and having a quality schedule and playing some quality games and looking right, on, uh, uh, you know, they pass the eye test when you look at them, that they deserve to be in that number one spot having not taken a loss. But they might look more like a – number one Ohio State or Michigan with Bama and Georgia with two losses below them and the rest of the country thinking they don't have a shot. They're going to get blown out by one of these one-loss teams because they've run the gauntlet of the SEC. And I think that's the overall impression of the country. But it's not like Ohio State and Michigan haven't won national championships before. So let's go. Well, and it's interesting you kind of phrase it in the SEC uh, Big Ten. I would even say it's more like an Oregon team. Um, because to be clear, it's it's on the West Coast, and you guys play at at your games kick off the one of them at ten uh, ten Eastern time, seven Pacific. If and you're gonna do that, can you say SC at least, so that's someone that actually wins national championships, please? Well, I'm talking about the teams that are <laughs> undefeated by the end of the season. SC always finds a way to make it so that well, during they, your they have that yeah, bad. Right. <laughs> have that that one you know that one weird loss is always like Oregon State or, or Utah or something right. but what's interesting is is that I I think that I that's the first that I've heard specifically because at the end of the day like I, I have nothing to do with that type of thing no matter how many players in the league will, will will send me messages about schedule or or what the rules are or if, if they're gonna be featured on the Facebook or Instagram um, I, I have I don't have that power but it's the first that I'm hearing that you're you weren't aligning Vegas to kind of get that automatic. No, I hated it. I, I wanted us to earn it. I wanted but, us to run the gauntlet and have a chance to beat three or four East Coast teams before we played in a championship. And saying instead of saying, "Hey, you beat everybody out west. Here you go." Well, yeah, and, and but I think with that being said, now that you guys do have it. Although it's great, and people will say, oh, well, they have this easy path or whatever. The interesting thing is is that it almost puts more pressure on whoever that team is, whether it is the, the potential favorite out there in the in number one Insomniacs, whether it is Sick With It who somehow finds a way to beat the Insomniacs and the Aces, whether it's the Aces or somehow 
we also have to somehow include the Chaos, who are the Ohio team that is going to be in that Final Four matchup. But if, if all of those... And, and they would probably love to hear that, and I would probably agree, but let's be honest, you got to play, and it's going to be in Ohio, so maybe they have the home field advantage. And I think whoever, that... Oops, sorry, Corey, go ahead. I'll, I'll finish. Well, but whoever it is that comes out, and if it is a Vegas team, all of the championship games that... Eric, you've witnessed or recent fans will remember are classic games of, of teams that are very well matched, that go toe-to-toe, and are basically punching each other in mouth the entire time so that it's that entertaining and what has grown the league to be in a position where we're talking to you in a different time zone about the same national league and the longest-running spring football league in the country. But in history, that being said, in right. history, absolutely. Yeah, you got to go to math for you history i'll just make declarative statements and there's there's always a fact checker whenever i speak right but the facts are is that where that western conference ohio vegas whatever that team is if they face either the northeast champ which is maybe probably the heavy favorite or the dark horse is the the you know the the potential super team in the florida camp you know florida representative which we assume and things could go weird but the the tampa bay nightcrawlers that isn't a, a competitive game that's that's a four-quarter game and it's toe-to-toe. That that speaks not only of the team that made it, but it's a whole referendum for a whole 365 days on what the West is when, to be fair, a lot of your guys' players are making statements is that they're, they're really ready and focused and not even on the same level and all this other you know great stuff, which is good and, and helpful for their morale and, and to get them there. When it's on the national stage, the, the number one game that's going to be watched, uh, watched across the country all season, if they don't perform the way that they've been promising, it, it it's almost like the, the negatives that could come from that are, are a lot of a higher consequence than I think people realize. So it's it's as great as it is that you guys have that spot. It's almost, you know, we always talk about, you know, heavy is the head that wears the crown. Well, well Damocles' sword is another metaphor that we could talk about, and Guys, look it up on Google. You have a phone. You could do it. Damocles sword. If that's over the, the, the Vegas, the Ohio, the West champ, and it might happen to be, the, you know, the BIC logo, and it doesn't go the way that they expect it to, it's also a gift and a curse. So, you know, good luck out there in that game. Matt, you had something you wanted to say, but I wanted to rebut Corey. So you go Yeah, no, no, no. You, can, you rebut. I just uh, – I counted eight yeah, metaphors there, Corey. Eight metaphors. (laughs) Twice as many times as I've been on the show. But the so, yes, I understand. and I agree with you. They've got a lot that they have to live up to and all the hype. But it pales in comparison to what it would mean if BIC or the U loses to us. Like the amount of vitriol that's going to get spit at them by the entire East Eastern Division. Like you guys went out there and represented us and looked like dog shit. You let these teams from out west just dog walk you. If that happens, I, I promise you, it would be way worse for the East if they lose than it is for the West. We we're playing with house money. Let's be real. That's true. We, well, we don't. In my opinion, we we don't belong there without running the gauntlet of having to play two or three of the best teams in in the East. But we're here. We're going to take advantage of that situation and put our put our best foot forward. So no matter what team that shows up, they'll have our support. L.A. or Vegas. We're going to get 100% behind them. If it's Ohio, we'll go out and show support for the whole league. But as far as the Vegas and L.A. teams, you know, I, I own both divisions, so 
I've got both of their backs, but I'm here in Vegas. We're talking about the number one team in the country. We're talking about a, pot a potential matchup. If L.A. were to win, that means the number 10 team in the country is going to beat out the number one and two team in the country to get there. Uh, the likelihood of that happening is low based on what the projection is from the experts, which are the people on this call right now, the three-on-one podcast. So what you guys see on tape looks like they're the 10th best team in the country chances are they probably won't beat one and two maybe one or two but not one and two and to me to to go to that point because that's what i was going to bring up you play the cards you're dealt and i think for any league to grow you have to adopt this is how we are going to measure the different levels of this league because there's 26 different teams across all of these divisions in the asap and if you want to be a European, I'm kidding. The European Premier League soccer model, the UEFA Cup, is a beautiful and ingenious plan, and the way it's structured is great. But we are a continent that happens to be a country. So you run into these logistical fucking nightmares. Derek can attest to it. I can attest to it because I have to get me slappy and wappy all the way across to the other side of the country call our championship in July, and I think I have to rent the Electric Mayhem bus from the Muppet movie, so I'm not sure how we're doing that. But I like the idea of East versus West because we were talking about the SEC. We are talking about that. I think the way that you build this league is off of rivalries. In Vegas versus everybody's a thing, but we're starting to see Sickwit and Insomniacs become... And hopefully over time, this will persist, the U and the BIC of Nevada. And you include Los Angeles, and you'll see more cross-pollination. You're seeing these Ohio guys really get into it. The model that worked in this league that drew people like you, Derek, or drew people in like Joe from Cincinnati, or Nate and Eric in Columbus, is the ability to build these inter-town beef. It's literally at the core of our business, at the core of our league, it is town beef. These guys right. from Patterson can beat the shit out of these guys from Trenton, but we're going to come together because those assholes in Vegas think that they can run game on us. Same for Cincinnati, same for Tampa, same for Orlando, same for all these other divisions. And I think being a media studies graduate of the New York University and studying the way that sports impact our lives culturally, one of the keys to connecting and aligning with a sports team or feeling a part of something bigger than yourself is that geographical proximity, is that local pride, is that community pride. And a lot of the stuff you guys do in Nevada to build that community pride is exemplary like this idea of community is such an important part of this league and we see it Corey, every single week when the empanada guy is there and we're all just sitting around trying to figure out how to get his cash app to work and we're sitting there having a conversation having some beverages having some uh discourse as it were and that's some of my favorite memories of being in this league is that we're all here. We all love football. We all love talking shit. And and it is a, a community, and especially out in Vegas, when you, when you think of their division, compared to the Northeast, we're talking about teams from Patterson, Trenton, Rawway, and everywhere in between for just the New Jersey teams. Then you go to what was 
some of our best players and our best teams in, in past seasons in, in Pennsylvania. And then Baltimore. Vegas has built that, Eric, props, in, in, in one city. Now, that city, and, and I've been there, it's like a, it's like a you know, small state. But it, it is just one city that's filling out this entire division. So it's even more interesting that the one city has so many to represent. But now you have that, that relationship within the, its own city where you got the, the guys that have played on both squads. You've got, you know, we just talked to Scooter Hamilton who said he's played with guys from Sickwood. They've all played against with each other. So it builds that camaraderie. Me and Rob talk about all the time that when you watch the Baltimore teams play each other in seasons past when there was four of them, even if a team wasn't, you know, like, like for instance, the, the guys that make up the buzz, a lot of times, not last week, but, but a lot of times when they play those inter-Baltimore games, those games are closer because there is a familiarity, like we were talking about to bring it back to the beginning of this, this episode, at that almost college, uh, regional conference feel. It's even more interesting that Vegas is just one city that has that whole almost statewide, you know, region-wide feel, and the rivalries building, and that will be built in there, are going to help create that iron sharpening iron. And maybe that's a way to start getting into, which I think the, the meat of this episode should be, guys, and correct me if I'm wrong, which is our full, unofficial, but official, playoff predictions. Because even though week seven is important to maybe how we see these teams and how these teams kind of you know, jump start into their playoff run, the playoffs are pretty much set, right, Matt? Yes, I have. I'm going to be pulling it up in a second here. Uh, one of our statistical uh, people, Paul Gardella, has uh, put together a litany of scenarios that could break out in Week 7. But we should break some news because uh, we were remiss to mention it. Uh, the games of the week this week are happening on A7FL.TV and DAZN. You see it on your screen there. The 1 o'clock game that was initially supposed to take place between the DC Buzz and the Trenton BIC is no longer happening. The, B, the DC Buzz have announced that they will be forfeiting that game. That, that news came in today on Tuesday when we were recording this episode of the podcast. So now uh, the BIC do win. Uh, we'll see how that affects their seeding. But as of now, the BIC will win. Uh, by a variation of the Mercy Rule. And we'll have more information on that this Sunday on the A7FL Games of the Week. But let's go through some of these scenarios. Right now, locked in, in the Northeast, it is the Renegades and the Animals. The Animals locked in at the 4 spot, the Renegades at the 5 spot. And also the Rahway Snow Tribe versus the third seed, which right now is the Patterson U. I think these are unique matchups. Like, I I would go straight chalk in both of those games. I would go U and I would go Animals. And then we would end up seeing the Watchmen versus the Animals, which would be a fun game to, re to, to watch. We haven't seen those two teams play yet this year. And then we would have the BICU facing off again for the fourth year in a row in the playoffs, third year in a row in a meaningful game, 
And this is going to be a real interesting matchup on the Northeast. Corey would love to know your thoughts. Well, I think what we've talked about, and it's the name of the episode, kind of, um, is the net points. So the buzz decision in not, you know, doing the whole, you know, Boston Omegas thing and and driving up and, and, you know, seeing what happens, even if the team is basically, uh, you know, favored heavily against you and you are owing whatever. So I don't know why they didn't do it, but, I mean, everybody's got to make their own decision. But how, Matt, does that affect the net point conversation? Because what then is going to happen is that, for— That's what's getting cleared up um, yeah, because so they're trying no... to— fi- it Right now, one of the scenarios is the BIC win by their plus-minus differential, which is 26, which would mean— the average. The average. average the average. From, pardon yeah. me, the average, which is 26 to nothing. From there— the U would need to score 69 or more points. 69 would tie them with the BIC, but the U would get the tiebreaker because they beat the BIC in the regular season. So that would but mean... To clarify, the, but to clarify, that means the U have to win by 69, not win, just score 69. Yeah, they have to win by 69, pardon me. They have to win by 69 or more points, which is unlikely because that Renegades defense is one of the stingiest in the A7FL their 60 to nothing loss to the Watchmen in week six of standing. So there's a there's a lot of different variables. Let me go through the, some of these real quick for the well, top three seeds. Why don't we keep it to the 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 best estimate that we can so that we can do the like round by round, do the first round, go across the board, and you know keep keep the the, the divisions moving, and then you know because I think realistically the the situations that you're going over mean that we're, we're going to have that conversation that we had in, in one of the, the 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 hardest top tens we've ever did is who is number one if watchman bic and you have this point differential and since they have the tiebreakers against each other the one the two and the three are basically one two and three in net points yeah the watchman so, the bic and the U are in that order because of how those games transpire so I mean I think that we should start a GoFundMe and we'll all buy I'll try jer- uh, shirts from tinyurl.com send them to the buzz and you know now they'll get the whole point of the thing is is why'd you do it man you made it even harder for everybody so as as the the best scenario though Matt it would be Watchmen likely who play Snow Tribe and are, and are probably free. no Watchmen. Watchmen and BIC get the buy. They get right. the first. Watchmen. That's what I'm saying. So they would be the number one out of those three. Yes. <clears throat> BIC two and U three. Just yeah. for the argu- for argument's sake. Yes. You know, considering these. So what would be the first round matchups across the board? We we said in the East. Or we said that the yeah. animals. Renegades, which is a rematch of a seven nothing game that was the U two interception game, the 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 Huff, the U. I said the U, the Huff, <laughs> the Huff two interception game. Not me this time. And oops, no, it's not. Well, and I said U, which is the team, which is even worse. <laughs> right. Because if Rob was here, we we we're not allowed to say Huff and U within you know seventeen words of each other. Seems and then fun. we have the Snow Tribe versus the U. Yeah. And then what is the, the matchups in the other divisions? Well, in Florida, it would be the Nightcrawlers versus either the Orange 
or the ghost, but here's how that would break down. The scenarios are the Orange need to win or Tampa wins by 72 or less. Uh, the so, so the Orange have to keep from losing by 72 points to make the playoffs, which the benefit will be they get to play the Nightcrawlers again. Yes. Or a Tampa exactly. wins by 70. If Tampa wins by 73 or more, the Ghosts are number two. The Orange would lose. That's due to point differential. Right now, the last game is Ghosts versus Orange. That's this Sunday's game. So that will decide well, thought, how that goes. I thought the Nightcrawlers were playing the Orange. I'm sorry. He Cole fucking lied to me. Uh, <laughs> right now, I could be so, wrong. No, I, I thought I recalled it was uh, Nightcrawler. So to be so to to be clear, Derek, when I was talking to uh, Bjorn Skarsgård about your 11 through 20, we were talking about the Ghost and the O Town Orange teams and and how we respect them. And I think it is Nightcrawler and them, Orange. But thanks. I guess that's. And for those listening in Florida, you know, we, we have a lot we have a lot of really great players down there and a lot of good fans, but you guys got to get that fourth team, that fifth team. And, and if there's not enough guys in, in Florida that can play in the league that I can play, then we got an issue. Same thing can be said for California. It just it, – it hasn't been done there. right yet. Yeah, it hasn't there. been done right yet, and it's being it's done right now. Oh, absolutely. It's starting to become oh, the God, person yes. that's over there. So that's the, the Florida matchup, and then the Vegas matchup, which is the, the more fun one, shakes out how, Matt? Well, Derek, you can give a better understanding yeah. of that. Oh, yeah, sorry. let me describe that to you. So th there's a couple things happening, but as far as the playoffs are concerned, we're locked one and two and five and six. There's no changes that can happen there. This week at three and four, the Kryptonite and the Force, who we haven't mentioned as a team that could come out of the West, and they certainly could, are, are playing each other. And the winner will take on Sick with it in, in the first round of the playoffs. The loser will take on the Insomniacs. All right, so, so we have to settle that Week 7 matchup because that's, A, a prediction we have to do right this second to play this game. But, B, probably the game of the week nationally based yeah. on the, the, the actual stakes and in my opinion, uh, it w which would be a referendum on the regular season for both of these team squads based on how they perform. We know that both of these teams aren't on the exact same level at this exact moment as sick with it and the Insomniacs. But Derek, I'm going to pick the force in that game, even though I love Lex Luthor. You know how much I love Darnell Richardson in his game. I, I think the force are kind of on, a on the right track and, and their roster is just a little bit deeper. And the kryptonite, what do you say to decide that 3-4 matchup so we can play this game? Yeah, so like you said, the, the roster depth and the fact that they're on an upward swing, upward trajectory, they got punched in the mouth twice and have figured out uh, how to rebound from that and look good doing it. I, I, there's nothing like playing sick with it and playing the Insomniacs out west. There, there, there's no other test in the market like that. So well, you ask Coach Mack. They lost by seven. He made no excuses, but he also has other people reminding them, almost like hype men in the back. Four touchdowns were taken back. Five touchdowns. I mean, it, it grows with each week how many touchdowns were taken back. But the fact is, is that there were there were times that force players ran across the goal line, and those were not counted as points. So we can say whatever we want if you know those penalties were real or if you know 
they obviously needed to call a penalty if there's a penalty that that causes right. a touchdown. But right. if you ask Force fans, and there's you know there there's a lot of them out there. Well, you got in the end zone because someone was cheating. Let's let's be real. <laughs> That's but, why I got that. And if a dog and if my dog had gills, she'd be a fish. Right. Well, I'm not saying that they should have won. What I'm saying is is that right. the game was relatively close. It was very and, close, and it was a great game. Lowest scoring game in Vegas this entire season, which I need to also say. Force's defense has been their trademark. Their running game has been their trademark. They don't have the same running backs that they had last season when they were the dominant force in the West. But they still have two great running backs back there and guys that carry the rock well. Cheddar, who has probably become their feature back. And uh, I can't remember the the, uh, other guy's name. He's 27, uh, Latin-looking kid. Really, really nice guy. We were talking after the game. I can't remember his name right now. But both of them are a one-two punch in the backfield. That's like a seven NFL nickname given to you by Derek Duncan. Latin really, kid. really nice guy. No, really, really nice guy. <laughs> I don't know if he's Polynesian or Latin. He's brown like me. I can't. You can't tell by looking at him. Short you're the, hair. You're, you're, you're now. Well, I was gonna say you're the only one that's allowed to say that on this pod, but well, right now, it, maybe not. But so. Is your boy Stones coming on? There he is. So, so you, that's. That's Coming to us live, live and in direct from somewhere, it's Bachata Bob, Big Rob Fabian. Hi, buddy. We shift directly from Lex Luthor. Hello, guys. Luthor. <laughs> Luthor Vandross? No, I, uh, oh, no. I just Elba, the, the detective <laughs> on um, so Hey, yo, pause. The network. We're running, through, seat, we're running through the playoffs. We're running through the playoffs. Right now, Big Rob. Who wins this weekend? Force, Kryptonite. Go. Kryptonite. Really? All right. What do you say, Derek? Do, I, do, I, do I wait? Do I believe it? No, but I really, I gotta believe in Darnell. I feel like I, I haven't given Darnell a fair shake the entire season. I think he could pull this one out. I think Darnell could get it done. Well, we were talking about how good the Force defense is. I was gonna pick the Force, and I think that the better situation. You know, obviously, you don't want to play either the Insomniac or the Sick with it. That that opening round is a meat grinder for the top four teams in the in the Southwest, in the Pacific, whatever you want to whatever you want to call it, uh, the Derek Duncan owned territory uh, of the, the A7 DDT. NFL. <laughs> uh, hopefully, no one gets dropped on their head. But when it comes to the DDT based division. Four through eight is an interesting setup because the force, the the kryptonite, you know, right now they lose. They they're playing the insomniacs. Insomniac. If they came in, the in fifth, round. yeah, in the first round, if you were the OTT or the hunters, how elated are you that you might end up drawing the Santa Monica vibe in round one? It, 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 like that gets you one step closer to your divisional final four. I'm not saying the vibe are bad. We've seen them improve over the last couple of weeks. It was a dog fight two weeks ago when they faced off in week six. But does does the OTT have a shot to play any kind of spoiler? Because that team yes. has been the most confusing team to me all season long. Because they are a fireworks show, but sometimes they point the fireworks at themselves, and I can't get a beat on them. The short answer is, as long as 
Savion Cunningham is returning kicks, the moment someone scores, they have the opportunity to score right back every single time. If they are using him on offense and defense the entire time and returning kicks, he's only going to return about a third of those kicks back back for a score, and they're going to have to be reliant on their offense, which isn't bad. But up against the top the top two teams in the league, in the division, they have not fared well. They've been on the rise. They've been doing much better. But uh, hopefully they've taken these last two weeks to get in the lab and figure some things out, maybe do some more recruiting, get some big bodies to help out with the line. But they are firmly planted as the number five team in our division as the way that they've performed throughout this year. The inconsistency against the better teams. I'm sorry. The consistency of being inconsistent against the better teams is, more, is a more accurate statement. It has kept them where they are. Now, they are likely the best team that isn't in the upper echelon and are maybe one or two pieces are a coach away from being one of those upper echelon teams. And that's what we keep wondering if it's going to click, if it's going to come together. And it has been clicking and coming together in spurts. And I think that a lot of it has to do with what is a major problem with a lot of teams in this league early on, the quarterback carousel. We saw it be a little bit of an issue for the U heading into this season. Uh, it'll be interesting how the Watchmen handle that heading into the playoffs. We saw it with the DC Buzz. The, the quarterback competition between Mark Diggs and Lenny Manziel, or Lenny Hedrick, kind of hobbled that team to go from being a playoff team and a team that me, Rob, and Corey thought would be a top six team in in the division to going 0-7. So I feel like the half-stepping between Perry and G. Hurd and some of the other options, and also, like you said, using Savion Cunningham more time... Like, it's like when you spam when you spam doing threes with Steph Curry in 2K. Like, yeah, you can do it. Yeah, you're giving the ball to your best player, but they're a human being. Like, the Gatorade meter is going to pop up sometime. Right, exactly. And we've seen it happen for a lot of the returners in Vegas. If you guys remember back to that fall chip game where you had Lavish mm -hmm. and uh, K.J. Burrell going back and forth, it wasn't until K.J. started playing uh, – corner and had to run down a couple guys at corner that they were able to stop him on the returns because he was gassed you can only do so much it, a hundred yard wind sprint every two minutes or every five minutes is going to get people gassed after a while it, it just has to happen and that's why i think being on the road being in that situation i think the ott lose to california like i i i can see a scenario where the two California teams walk into the final four of the of the DDT. Like, for me, is it going to happen? Probably not. Savion Cunningham out there in L.A. is a match made in heaven because that kid is not, not a Shante-worthy Hollywood, but he's a Hollywood-caliber player. Right. And, and Billy Mallard for the Aces, same. Yeah, heavier, no, he's a killer. Stronger, but same situation. But what L.A. hasn't had is three-on-one coverages that know how to stop guys like K.J., like Lavish, like Savion, like Trey. And if you're not seeing that every week and covering that every week, your chances are, like Billy did last last game, 
you were returning six out of seven kicks for a, for a tud. I I don't see that happening playing a Vegas team because we're 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 built to cover the three on one now. Remember when we Who tried to that? cover the three on one as the four Billy Mallard for the Aces? He did. Six he out, did that. Six out of seven. Six out of seven. Jesus. I think that's a record. That has to be a record. Jeez. Yeah. I I, I would All guess right, it let's... is. Yeah, let's stop giving let's stop giving records out to those, those Ale- alleged records. It's a three on one record, which means way too much to people for reasons I don't. No, I know. I know. Thanks for being what, fans. What, it just it's giving me it's giving me PTSD of a, a certain guy with the initials RD talking about his records. And it's like, <laughs> what? No, I, right. I knew you were a fraud. I I warned everyone who's a fraud. The the vibe are who OTT plays, and and if the OTT were playing the Aces, in my opinion, I don't think that they have enough as a full team, a full roster to figure that out. But we and and fans at home watching the Northeast know how demoralizing it is to drive, get in a rhythm, score a touchdown, go to the sideline, yay, let's go. Three guys walk onto the field, they throw it off. And, you know, I'm being generous here, 5'9", 160-pound, you know, rocket with, with a do-rag on is, is, is erasing all of their hard work in one second with no time off the clock. I will say this, and, and I have the unique experience to kind of know a lot of those OTT guys playing with them in, uh, you know, the, the Derek Duncan special uh, in February. And what I will say is, is that I respect a lot of their guys' game immensely including G Hurd who I think gets a lot of shit as a quarterback just because he just doesn't do it conventionally and he he at times looked like he shouldn't be doing it but just as often he looks like he should be and he makes right. some real big throws a lot of the time and that's why his team scores you know on average low 30s high 20s even against the teams that at at some point they're probably like all right whatever get your thing but I will say this as much as G and all of his guys play. You guys were, you guys were there when the playoffs hit in the fall. G Hurd has to literally show up. Now, I'm not, spit, I'm not spitting them out and saying, and I, I'm, I'm just spitting. I've got a scenario out. for you, Corey. Hold on, let me just finish because this is this is directly to my guy. Not that he comes to play. Not in the metaphorical. No, I said he has to wake up on time. That's what Pick I'm telling guys. you that he needs and drive to California. And if he does that, OTT wins. If he can't do that, which is like the minimum, we're going to lose. Oh, come on. This is a DDT division. You know he's not driving himself to California. There will be vans <laughs> waiting for them to arrive at a specific but, hotel to, yes, to be picked up you, and yes, chauffeur down there. Yes, so all he's going to show up on be, time. <laughs> this is, this is going to be him. It's like, here, hold my hand, and we're going to take you there. But I ask you this. When they had a chance in the playoffs. You a spiteful motherfucker. No, not spiteful. I'm, no, I'm he's speaking the out. truth. He, last time OTT was in the playoffs, he was like, encouraged late. it. Yeah, and he's not. He's not the. He's not the courage job on that roster. He's the GM. What? What? La- wait, wait. What last time was OTT in the playoffs? In the, the, in the, the fall? We're talking the, the, the fall as hey, a composite, hey, hey, as a composite example. The fall, it doesn't matter, count. but, but the fall so matters in count. Vegas. It, it so matters in Vegas too. Vegas. So for G to not count. show up to a televised playoff game in the fall, that doesn't count either. He's obviously going to show up, is what you're saying. All right, then. I don't. Then I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm just, just saying. saying I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You're kind of holding what he did in the fall against him. Give him a fresh slate, bro. Don't go. Up. You know what I'm saying, give him. Give him a chance, bro. You got it. 
No, give, just, give him a I'm chance. Give him a chance. So he has no excuse. I, I like G Herd this season. I, I, I'm not I a G Herd super duper hater this season. I actually like what he was able to do. I think again, if if he's there, if he's healthy, G Herd is a great leader. Though, like you said, not conventional. How many quarterbacks in A7 are? You get what I'm saying? That non-conventional like stuff. It's, it's yeah, right. So if that non-conventional stuff kind of gets it done. So I like what I see from D Hurd. I do agree with you, though, Corey or Matt. I think one of you guys said it, that carousel of quarterbacks does have to stop yeah. unless it's a literal planned, like, hey, we're going to go with Perry right now. Okay, G Hurd, you get the next drive. Perry's the way the Watchmen yet. do it. Yeah, the, the, Watchmen, the Watchmen do it to perfection, where there's no know. question we'll who's coming playoffs. in next. I think John we'll see. But but to all of that, I have a scenario, Corey. Have you seen the 1997 film Space Jam? I think I have. <laughs> I've made my kids watch it because they wanted to watch the LeBron one first. I was like, first, now, now, before we go. We, we will see G Heard pulled on a golf course into some sort of scenario involving the Looney Tunes, maybe some Ralph Bakshi characters, we don't have a lot of money, so we really it, can't it, Are they afford... Moopits? They're Moopits. They they're Moopits? They're the Moopits. They're Moopits. Yeah, it's all... G Herd's get, getting pulled down a gutter in Vegas by Moopits. That sounds like fear and loathing in Las Vegas. That sounds like the Hunter's logo, Matt. That does not sound like... That does not sound like Space Jam. That sounds like a terrible dream. But, anyway, but, but how it ends is you see in the sky ascending down... A lovely double wide trailer. And then falling out of it is G Herd in full uniform. He'll rush for 265. The OTT will lose 92 to 74 because that's how their season's gone. Or to the Mod Stars. (laughs) Or to the Moop Stars. Dude, they lost. They got. They gave up 92 points. Like, we can't look past the fact they gave up 92 points. And they may we have to play one of those teams they scored, again. They, they, Matt, what, what octave they is that? Matt? They it's the fucking surprised octave. Yeah, 92. <laughs> 92. 92. No, let's listen. 92 sounds crazy without context. But you know, if, if guys are scoring back to back on on yeah, turns, it was like six. It, you know, it's six three on one return. That's a lot. That is a lot. I, 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 I'm aware. I have to say that every week. I'm aware of that schnookums, but the problem comes down to that inconsistency because they still were, uh, they were able to score 38 points or so, uh, 48 yeah, points. 30, 90, 92 to 38. 92 to 38. And then the following Even week they scored eight. The following week they scored eight, though. That's the word. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, but that's the thing is. games against, against the, the mediocre teams that they've beaten. And in my opinion, not to disrespect anybody out there, but the Vibe are one of those mediocre teams that I think that the overwhelming top talent of the OTT is going to lead to their victory if they are able to get there in full. Which is and I think the disrespect to, to the disrespect that's going on when it comes to the LA teams, as if these aren't guys that kind of have been playing for about a season or two before OTT, is kind of crazy. But again. Only reason why I can't really jump jump off the, the bench and really go to bat for LA is because I haven't really seen much. If I had more video or more proof that they're actually getting busy over there, then I could give, you know, I could actually really defend the point that, 
hey, the vibe has been playing for like two, three seasons. Hey, we seen Billy Mallard. He came out here and he yeah, got busy the at the BIC. You know, I know, no, I know, no, I know it's the Aces. I'm talking about LA as a as a whole. Like those guys have felt they've tasted the Northeast before. Those, a guy like those, those vibe guys to me, you get what I'm getting at? Guys to me are the newer guys in the division. A lot of the guys that have that A7 experience that came with Mallard to Jersey, those are mo- mostly on the Aces, and some of the the guys right. that were but, even on the, the, way, the earlier the iterations way, of the vibe, they they just joined. The way the you're the talking about LA is the way I feel like you should be talking about Ohio, but you never do. You give Ohio because you like those guys and they're your friends. You give Ohio Me? the biggest. Yes, you. You give them the <laughs> nastiest benefit of the doubt. So bad that they think I hate them. They think, oh, Big Rob's just an old hater. It ain't that. It's just your first year. I'm proud of you guys for making it as far as you think you're going to make it. But in Ohio, you're going to lose. It's as simple as that. But, because but experience gotta is going to be. You got to give them some credit, Rob, about the chaos. So why, why not? That, okay, why not? We, why are we not giving L.A. anything? I think LA's LA's the, the, the issue the issue with L.A. and Derek has, Derek put it out on Front Street, it's in a transition. That division in the first two years was um, adrift in developing. There were a lot of issues that ended up with Derek and the great Kelly Hurst operating that division, Derek buying, buying a majority share, working with David Meltzer and his team. And it was about building off of that core and creating consistency. I think the thing that will be a benefit for the vibe and the aces is that experience. But when you look at the fact that they weren't able to play a full season against a group of competition, it's the same same issue we have with Florida. We know the night crawlers are great. We hear all the crazy rumors coming out about X and Y who did this and that once, who, you know, someone's That's cousin bought a jersey. Yeah. Medicine. Yeah, you know, Dr. C might be rolling up to town. You know, someone with a giant resume could be stepping onto the field in the playoffs, but we don't know. In the same way that the neon lights are transfixed behind you, Rob, we, we're trying to figure it out in real time. Yeah, and Rob's I, working on the Florida division right now. Yeah. It looks like he's in Miami. He's out there trying to recruit. <laughs> he's out there with Michael Irvin in a shark skin suit. That's where the bachata comes from. Uh, huh? that's, that's why he's bachata Bob, baby. But when it comes to Florida, I have those same criticisms. But I think Ohio has played, in the chaos, have played multiple different teams. They've played three different teams who have thrown three different looks at them. And we've seen some interesting developments there. If you're outscoring dudes well, actually, ninety-seven to six, yeah, it's actually it's actually the opposite. It's non-interesting. Not non-interesting in the fact, a, but yeah, it is interesting that it's non-interesting yeah. because they're they're proving that they're the class. And and obviously, when we talk about the Florida and the Ohio division, maybe we skip the first round because I think we can all assume that our you know favorites in those division, the Chaos and the Nightcrawlers are the the heavy favorites coming out of there so you know we'll, well see the, when we get to that round of the playoffs but you know what i want, but I want to touch Rob, on ohio before, about... real quick before we before we jump off of that i want to touch on ohio because the thing that ohio doesn't have is experience playing against any of the other divisions except for the heist they traveled to florida a couple times last year right or, or they've traveled to other divisions last year and got some of that experience yeah, both back and forth yeah 
Right, the but the, cha- the chaos have not, but the chaos handled the heist. So there's something there that shows that Ohio has a little something-something that those guys were able to stack up and smash a team that has some history in the A7FL and has played in other divisions and understand what it means to be an A7FL player. So I remember the heist game, the heist game gets lost because yes, they won handedly 20 to nothing. It wasn't the same 56. It wasn't the same 63. It was 26 and it ended early because of a, a, a medical issue. Yeah. So, so it, oh, I was 20. Yeah. They did score. They did score on that, that last play. And then, you know, the medical issue, but the heist, the heist, you know, that game, you know, we'll see what the heist bring back in the championship game. But we also have to remember the heist team lost to the Schnoe Tribe team last year, even though that was, you know, it was it was a fun game. But they were the one in three team. So as much as we respect the heist and we put them in our top ten because I think they earned it, you know, based on what they were doing earlier, you know, we're going to see what we can from the chaos. But I don't see I don't see the heist pulling that upset. Do you guys? No. No. Nope, but I'm get, but I'm getting Vegas and LA prepared for Ohio as if they will. Yeah, I mean, I hey. can't have these guys walking in there thinking it's going to be a cakewalk. No. They need to understand that these guys have basically put a donut on everybody they've played, and they can't expect to run up the score on them. That they're going to need to play some serious defense. Well, and well, we'll get there. Rush. We'll get there in the final. Four. Anyway, hold on, hold on. That's the that's the thing. That's the thing. That's why I don't like all the credit that you know the chaos are getting because, bro, who have they played? They played the Covington Heights, who we then found out wasn't even the best team in Ohio at the time. They they haven't played a soul. And then when they played them, they only scored 20 to zip. They've never been behind. They've never been down. They've never had to face a Steri Codger team. They never they had to deal with an Ashante Worthy. They've never faced, they never faced anything. So my thing is, at least we know the vibe, right? The vibe. Not, again, I'm not trying to give the vibe credit. I haven't seen them. I can't really vouch for people I haven't seen. But at least we know the vibe had to deal with the Aces who came out here and we actually saw a little bit from them. At least we know we know that. I get that they're in a transition yeah, period. And the, and the vibe did look better in their second I think it's the same energy, bro. Yeah, I just think it's the same energy for both. Well, I, how about this, Rob? This is a good this is a good segue because we talked about the OTT 5 game, which I think is an interesting, but I I would I, you know, I would say OTT takes that, but the other matchup, I think it's it's all LA. Because as much as I respect what the Hunters have been doing, the, the sixth seed out of Vegas, and, and how much I think they've grown to learn the A7 game and adjust you know, on the fly to the roster moves that were happening since the fall, I don't think that they match up, just like you're saying, Rob, because the, the LA Aces are that pedigree team. They have that pedigree player. And it, you know, no disrespect to my guys over there in the Hunters, but the, but the defense that I've seen them playing I don't think that they have a defensive answer for the type of running back they're going to play from the Aces. And if the Aces are able to get that running game going, there's nothing that the Hunters can do offensively to keep up with what Billy Mallard can do. I don't know if it's Millard or Mallard, but that guy is a beast. He's a man beast. He's going to run through that defense. And I think that the Aces take that game in the first round, that LA-Vegas matchup, pretty handedly. Yeah, let me just say, if the Hunters are still without Dillard Davis that it's a 17-point spread. With Dillard, it's probably five. And still Ace's favorite. Because what Dillard brings to the three-on-one and his defense and how he comes in the backfield, he would be a problem for the Aces, but he's been injured and dealing with a rib the last three weeks. So I I don't expect him to play, but if he does, it's a different game. 
And defensively, though, he is traditionally a corner, right? He, he's a utility player. So he, I've seen him at linebacker. I've seen him out at corner, but primarily on well, offense with, and return. With a rib issue, let me say this. With a rib issue and, and his size maybe being that of a stereotypical 11-on-11 corner, I don't think based on the, the game plans that I've been seeing from, you know, the aces and what they do with number four, their running back, I don't think that that's going to be a favorable matchup for him if he's got a rib issue. But, you right. know, I want him to be healthy, and I want everybody to play with safety and, and all of what A7 brings. But there is a lot of physicality to our game, and, and the number four for the aces, that's one of the guys that, you know, in the first round of the playoffs, he might have one of the better numbers performances in my opinion. So universally we have the Insomniac, the Sick With It, the Aces, and the OTT moving on to the DDT Final Four. So yes. I don't know. Are we we didn't really talk about the because we what did we say? Force was gonna beat the Kryptonite, so it'd yeah. be Sick With It. Sick With Force. It Force, Kryptonite, uh get, Anybody want to take a leap and say that the Force are gonna go on some kind of magical run now that I... they've uh I don't think so. I think I think I'm a sick with a fan. I like what Jeremy Geary does at quarterback. I like what all of their wide receivers do. And I'm a huge fan of what Lavish T brings. Scooter Hamilton said it. He's not that great of a flag player. Well, this isn't a flag podcast, and we don't give a shit about if you don't get the flag. You gotta bring that man down. And when he does sound breathing first form touchdown, Lord Tenyon, lavish T is flashy. That's my guy. Yeah, I think I think the sick with it. Or the... Rob, Rob, Rob wishes there weren't people talking behind him, and he could directly address my stupid anime reference. But guess what? The guy's got dyed hair, and he probably has three wives. He's a vegan too. He's like, you guys don't know the reference. Lord Tenyon. No, is an awesome I have no fuck, clue. What the fuck are you yammering about? It's. <laughs> Two thousand seven cartoons that I You're welcome. Don't watch. No, no, it's 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 twenty twenty three. This but, shit on uh, Adult Swim, if it's got the uh, robot. Listen, I know I know the reference disgustingly as I just watched everything he just said. It's it's ridiculous. I'm tired of Corey. I'm just sick of him. I'm, I'm sick. He's uh, he likes sick with it and I'm sick of him. Is he flashy? He's flashy. He said he's flashy. I'm done with Corey, bro. I'm done with Corey. Moving on. Moving on before we end up on Crunchyroll somehow. When it comes to... Yeah, it could be a sponsor. Uh, I wish. Um, when it comes to the, the final four of the DDT, I can't see the the issues we have with the force last season and heading into this season are to me the same issue. They're a very run based offense, which works and doesn't work. I think that they're they're built right now to be one of the best teams out west, but I don't think they'll be able to level set in terms of just the amount of bodies that you need and the amount of size, like the Insomniac size, like little nightmare X scares the living. If I'm on the, if I'm game planning out East scares the shit out of me, Kenny Stansberry putting down the 2k remote and going to the whiteboard and turning on the projector and scheming for days on end to try to stop that gigantic human and having lavish T on that team on, on the sick with it is a cheat code. The motherfucker's a game shark. He ran through defenders like they weren't even there. If you played Madden 04 
and you did the drills, like when Outcast and Killer Mike would come on, and you were just throwing the ball with Michael Vick to just try to hit the receivers and those little wire outlines. The defenders in Nevada, when they're going up against to Lavish T, are those fucking things. They are just, they are set dressing. They are bunting. They are not there to do anything else. But what, I don't know, what the fuck is Rob doing? Is He's, li- he's listening. Oh, he, it's either that or he's having a medical emergency or he's getting kissed. I, I, he's kissing, you ain't soldier boy, motherfucker. Stop trying to kiss me through the phone. Uh, when it comes to the, the sick with it and the insomniacs, I think that that's the inevitable. That's the inevitable. Well, how does it work out? Because when we get to that second round, so our first round winners would be the Aces. And OTT. the OTT. So the OTT we'll would play. Insomniacs, yeah, Insomniacs take care of the kryptonite. We're all in agreement that Sickwood are going to handle the force. Yeah. So if the force can get pressure on Jeremy Geary. And, I'm not and 100% Cam- in agreement, but I'm, I'm rolling with it for the sake of conversation. Do you think that the force defensive pass rush can make enough of an impact on Jeremy Geary so that the force offense can score more points than the sick offense? I think that's what I think the game comes down to is the pass th- rush from the force. I think the, the force, the, as far as matchups go, sick with its biggest issue besides the insomniac is the force because of personnel. They match up across the board with them. Well, like man, man on man across the board, for everyone that sick with it has force has an equal player they just it, it didn't work out for them last self self admittedly what has coach max said is the one weakness of the force defense i, I don't know what he said but he, if i'm, he said if I'm watching TV, backs. he said the defensive backs and, and that's say, what he said that's what i would agree with their secondary is their issue yes so and what's the strength of sick with its offense I don't think it's the passing game, if that's what you're saying. I was going to say it's the depth that, for me, it's the depth at wide receiver because they have they have three of the top targets from the fall that we've seen, and when we include Darren Palmer and Mister Uptop himself, uh, Nigel or Nathaniel uh, Webster Spencer. Uh, I, I was going to say Nigel Hathorn. <laughs> Nigel Hatcher. <laughs> Nigel Hatcher. Nathaniel uh, Webster Spencer, but but and and company, but also. They bring that 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 aggressive, you know, speed st- style pass rush with Luwalamana and Daniel Quinn that you know come from the pit bosses who have had success in Vegas. What would you say is the strength of Sick with its offense then? It's their uh, underneath passing, the intermediate, you know, stop on a dime and have have great routes and not just hitting people over the top. Not that they right. can't hit people over the top, but they're they're they're, well, they're, they're sick with it. They're game. not OTT. Right, but th- their strength for me has been jet sweeps and intermediate passing, quick passes, and to to keep people confused and on their toes. And then once they suck up and start playing that intermediate, then they try to hit them over the top with DP and do a good job. But that that's not their primary game, right. for me, well, from what I've been watching. And and what you know, we I, I mentioned Jeremy Geary multiple times, but I think that the the strength and and the reason that that's their strength is because the depth that they have at wide receivers and the ability for those guys to run crisp, precise routes quickly, exactly, and 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 negate a lot of that pass rush stuff. But we've also they've gotten really comfortable with a relatively soft schedule, and they haven't played those top two teams since really early in the season. So for me, the difference in that game is if the force, if they want to make an upset. 
they have to get some defensive pass rush quickly and disrupt the timing of that pass game because you said it. I love quick pass game. I'm, I'm a big proponent of the quick pass game. But if you can get sure on the quarterback with three, they're only sending the three. No blitz. Get, get quick pressure on the quarterback. Play coverage behind it. You, you take away those short routes. Because can, you can, can somebody tell me how many points that the force have scored this season? I can pull that Overall, up right now. Plus minus. Yeah, I'd love to I can to pull know you that, up totals and plus minus. It's not going to be anywhere near where Sickwood it is because Sickwood had put up 92. Um, okay. so yeah, right. They right. So, so I, I, I've got it. There. They have outscored their Thank opponents you. 252 to 94. They have the third highest mm-hmm. in the division in terms of net points. Insomniacs have 268. They've only given up 65 points this year. Uh, OT. And uh, uh, in sick with it had 330 to 100 plus 230 uh the force have given up less points than is sick with it they've given up 94 but they've only scored 252 and in terms of net points lies therein lies the problem the force can't score like that so all this all defense that I, that's half of the game. The other half of the game know. is can they put the ball in the end zone? And based off of what we just heard, based off of the team they're going against, the answer well, to that well, is Well, Rob, when they no. played each other, it was twenty. It was twenty-one fourteen. Twenty-one fourteen when they when they played head to head. And and that's that's let I, love, you know, I, I adore game. I adore I adore when we because I'm a I'm a guy that's about to win, right? I don't care if I win by what did what did them. Um, what did that guy who's always talking about family said? It doesn't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. They won. They won. You think Sickwitted is going to be nervous to go against the Force again? I don't. I don't I'm saying I, that the I game think... rests if the Force want an upset, which I'm not calling for. I'm saying Sickwitted's going to win. Oh, okay. If the Force want an upset and have a chance, they have to get some defensive pressure and disrupt that passing game because the one, the biggest weakness of the Force defense, in my opinion, which has been one of the better defensive units in Vegas, is their defensive secondary. And you can't get pressure on Sickwitted. Jeremy Geary is going to put up video game yards on those corners and those safeties. So my point is what's going to happen my take was, pretty much is if the force want a chance in that game, that's what they do. But I think in when, when Eric kind of mentioned it, he said he wasn't in full agreement, but for, for me, I I'm a, I'm, I'm a sick with a guy, at least in that game. And I think that if you want a chance, you got to get pressure on the quarterback. And that's maybe going to be the only way to stop sick with it as we move forward in this hypothetical playoffs. So right now it would be sick with it and insomniacs coming out of the DDT. Hopefully Derek will be joining us back here on the podcast. If you're watching, oh, I, I didn't video. go anywhere. I'd... Oh, the, oh, <laughs> he hoodwinked us. I just had to turn off the video a minute and take care of some stuff. How dare you? It, no one wanted to see what was just happening. It's better right. that we saw the little icon. F- fucking my right. whole setup up. Yeah, I was back. But but but. Uh, Derek, uh, your thoughts on that fi- that final matchup being the Insomniacs taking on Sick with It for the DDT division title? Gosh. Uh, ju- looking at the common opponents, looking at when they played each other, and seeing how things have come together, it's tough. Because Sick with It, they played the Insomniacs the very first game out the gate before they were 
literally had learned how to be an A7FL team. They had experience in half the guys. The other half of the guys did not. Now that those half of the guys have had this experience, they have a better understanding. Both teams have great coaching. Not not good, but great coaching. Uh, guys that I, I would love to play for or, or stand beside and coach with them. And, gosh, I'm going to get punched in the face with it, but but it, I, I got sick with it by three with, with that final matchup. If everybody shows up healthy, um, the, the one X factor is Trey Robinson is back for the Insomniacs. Uh, he hasn't been around the last three weeks, so if he remains healthy and is available for the game, th- he's the X factor that could potentially sway my vote. But based on what I've seen so far this season, I got sick with it by three. Um, that is a very interesting prediction. Uh, is that is that the next round matchup? That would no, be that would, that, that, no, that would ha- they would only play each other in the final. Yeah, they only then the oh, final okay, okay. the then they would so. Derek has Sickwitt going to Ohio, playing against the Chaos. I, my picks the Insomniacs. Who do the Aces? Who do the Aces? Have the to Aces play? have to play the Insomniacs. The Sickwitt would play the OTT. Or no, wait. The Insomniacs would play OTT. Sickwitt would play the Aces. And for me, the Aces are basically the force with a great return game. They're very evenly matched. Obviously, the Force beat them last season. So we would expect the outcome of the Force versus the other Vegas teams to be the same outcome as the Aces versus the other Vegas teams. Fair, and I think the Insomniacs are obviously going to take care of business because of OTT. But then maybe we go first round in Jersey, though, Matt. Cause I think yeah, we, it's the you and the Snow Tribe and the Animals and the Renegades. I think we would all Renegades. agree that you were the favorite there. Is anybody yeah. feeling that the Snow Tribe are putting together the type of momentum that they're going to be able to not not make it a game because I think I think they're starting to to, to kind of run on on the on the on the right path of, of who they should be. They they've kind of combined the 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 heavy pass heavy run aspects of their offense and they're doing that. Their defense is, is they're all of those guys are 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 kind of playing to their strengths. I think their defensive backs had you know two of their defensive backs. Uh, guy Ralph and Rondo, those two guys are among the league leaders in picks. But are, do they have a legitimate shot in the first round of the playoffs to beat the U? No. I think they believe that they have a shot. I think that's how I they think feel it'll be right a competitive now. game. I think it, I, I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any means. I think it will be. I, I think it, it it'll be Force versus Snow Tribe all over again, but uh, probably forty to twelve instead of thirty three to twelve. Well, we did we did see them play this season. If I am trying to remember correctly, it was week one. It was it was it was week, it was, one. It was week one. It was one it of was our forty-five twelve. That there you is go. yeah. But, uh, but I, think I think the Snow Tribe be, team is better. Yeah, I think I, it's not going to be the exact same, but I think it. I think that you have gotten be better too, though. Yeah, they have. They've certainly gotten Carlos better. Carlos Crosland looks pretty healthy. We'll yeah. see. We'll see at one o'clock, as as we mentioned that, right, Matt? Yeah, the U will be in action the against the Renegades, who Renegades I. And the Snow Tribe will face the Watchmen. The Kryptonite will take on the Force, but we'll also have coverage of the Boston Omegas in action in our seven o'clock game, rounding out their first season. I feel like. For the Snow Tribe, a lot of the issues that we talked about with the OTT are the same issues the Snow Tribe have. Lack of consistency at quarterback. 
they don't have Corey Hammond at quarterback? They don't have Corey Hammond at quarterback. That's obviously – I, I think deciding on someone at quarterback because all the they issues surround – They did, but they needed an entire sideline fight. Like, that's – they're through the woods on that. But, I mean, but the, the path the they path, took – the path they took to get to Jonathan Keel as the starting quarterback for the Snow Tribe cost them, I think, a win, maybe two. And they could be in the position the Renegades are in right now to play against an Animals team that, heading into week six, heading into the playoffs, have two losses, have had to face more adversity than they did at any point in the regular season so far this year. And how are these guys going to perform? Baby Joker, uh, you know, the, the litany of players that are Joker. young on this team. <laughs> Lou Shiesty. Lou Shiesty, yeah. Like, there are players on the 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 animals who won't be on the gate on the field this week and in the playoffs because of incidents that occurred during the BIC game. So, I think the if if the Snow Tribe were playing the Animals, that game maybe one score game. The Snow Tribe may be able to find a way to get on. And I think that the Renegades are in the best position out of any team to make shit really interesting because them against the Watchmen is a fun watch. And if CP3 is back, that there's a lot of things that can break weird in that game. Well, it's, it's interesting you say it's a good watch because I was actually just going to say, Matt, go – Going into the game last week in which the Renegades went down to D.C. and played the Watchmen. And, you know, those those games and those situations always sometimes get a little weird. Um, but it was 60 nothing. So I don't know. I really haven't even seen the film there. But I don't even know what happened from the Renegades team that I saw play a bunch of teams in a row. Really tough, really well. Their defense looked dominant. To what happened last week it's going to be interesting in the game you know in the one o'clock game of the week to see how they respond against the U team that you know they're coming off of a blowout you know mercy rule win that they haven't heard as much shit for mercy rule win somehow in the history of their organization so they're going to come out motivated too so I, I think for the the four five in New Jersey it's going to be really interesting because who plays quarterback for the Renegades has been a, a question that we've been asking for a little bit. And if they have a pretty solid answer there, they have a pretty solid chance against the animals. I think, though, as as much as we hyped the animals up earlier in the season, we'd be remiss to not kind of keep with that same energy. 4-5 matchup to me, no disrespect to the Renegades. I think that that's when Huff is going to take all of this you know, fun, like sharing the ball stuff that he's trying to been implementing to build the confidence of his team and turn it into the Huff show where he's played this season to make a statement, in my opinion. And I think the statement starts in the first round of the playoffs, making sure that they get that win against the Renegades. Rob's got the That'll gas be a fun face. Game. Uh, Rob's in the middle, in middle of a conversation out um, there. I think he's, I think he's out there. Oh, no, everything. <laughs> Oh, I hear everything you guys are saying. Um, I do agree. I mean, there's a good chance that CP3 is healthy. That was really the plan for him to miss pretty much the better part of the rest of the season to be able to come into the playoffs and actually make a difference. If, and if CP3 is healthy, huge. that's huge. That's, that's, that's probably huge. one of the biggest games 
in this in this beginning stage of the playoffs, if CP3 is healthy, that Renegades Animals game is going to be through the roof because we have to remember, I know people didn't know this, but CP3 got hurt first play of the yep. game versus the Animals. What happens if, he, if he's healthy the entire game? We don't know. So, you know, he it's played, not for us to find out. And I'm actually excited for that game. He was only a, a, a total of two scores away from beating top team, you know, defending champs in BIC and and the Huff-led animals in weeks one and two when he was on the field, even though, you know, he was struggling with health even week one. But he was also facing those ridiculous wins, too. Don't 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 forget that, you know, everybody it's at home. It's going to be a lot nicer. It's going to be a lot time. more manageable when he gets a chance, if he gets a chance, and we all hope that he does. And, and that might be a totally different game because – we talked about how Huff went two and zero that week. If at the end of the season Huff is two and one, those two victories in that one week mean nothing. If CP3 walks out of there with a playoff win, and Huff's you know MVP season tour ends in the first round, which I don't I don't know if I if I feel comfortable saying, and and, and I don't know if we'll see that happen, but it's definitely a storyline that can, that is a potential. And you gotta you gotta stay tuned to well, the games of the week well, that yeah, weekend. Let's go let's go around the horn real quick. Gun to your head, renegades or animals, Rob. I have animals. Gotta go animals. I don't know enough about what's what's going on on the renegades so right now to make any other yeah any other call. Huff has been playing out of his mind. I still feel like Huff is gonna finish the season five and two. He said it. We said it. So they're right on track to make a splash in the playoffs. And Corey, you're Huff. picking the Huff tops. Huffables. Uh, Derek? The Quattranimals. <laughs> the Quattranimals? Yeah. It sounds I like, like it sounds like it's it sounds like a, a four bar <laughs> that, verse. That's a in, that's in a band that song. came up in my Apple music algorithm, I think. It was because <laughs> them Japanese Bangers. breakfast and turnstile. Um all real band names. Um <laughs> but then we head into the Northeast Final Four, which would be Renegade pardon me, the animals taking on the Watchmen. Those two teams have yet to play this year. And the U and the BIC in a rematch. That I, is some football. That is going to be the wildest. That is, football. that is going to be one of the wildest Sundays in the history of this league, especially what's going on on the other side of the coast, which we just talked about, which would be the DDT Final Four. I, I believe that the BIC and the Watchmen are going to be the two teams that end up playing each other for the Northeast Division title. And that it will be the BIC taking on the Nightcrawlers in Ohio. Um, the momentum they've been riding, Sterry Codrington's been too accurate. He's gotten a lot of his weapons back. What we've seen from the Bell brothers, we've seen a healthy variety come back. I think that them being off the next, they're going to be off four weeks in a row. They're going to be off for four weeks. So that means there's might be a problem, which might be a problem. They would have rather tuned up against whatever the first round matchup is. But Matt, you're jumping way, way into the future. You already zipped. Well, because because I know because I want to get my licks in now because I know you guys are going to want to break it down. Eighty minutes. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna talk the rest of this podcast runtime. So I'm just like, let's. I'm set. I'm setting the table for this question. Absolutely. 
argue why I'm right or why I'm wrong. I say you're wrong because the better storyline is Silk versus the U in the Northeast Championship. I mean, but do you think that they can? Line, do you think that the the, are the, the animals, animals can beat the Watchmen? I think that there's a chance. I think that they haven't played. I think that Huff at, at top form with his team at top form has an opportunity. Do I think it's going to happen? No, but I like the storyline way better. The storyline's right. very interesting. I think that you cook and reheat He's... the animals if they play again because I think they're going to. The, the problem with the animals, and this is not an indictment on anybody. This is not me saying you guys are ass. You are a great football team. Rob is the one who calls people ass. I'm the one who has to sit on the fence because, well, look at me. Um, when it comes to the, the animals, this is Baby Joker's first year. This is Lou Shiesty's first year. These are a lot of guys who are stepping into this role, and a lot of guys like Chill Out Duke and guys who were on the U with Huff, they weren't first-line guys last year. Rob, you played with a lot of those guys, but a lot of them, when you were on the field, they were on the sideline. So this is a big pressure situation for a team that has oh, the two extremes. Up. What was that, Corey? Uh, nothing. I was going to say, I remember... Uh, we call we affectionately call him Doodoo because of what his daughter calls him. But uh, Shakima Kutchin wanted to pummel me into the ground because of the slant reference. You're saying that he wasn't on the. I mean, he, you know, I'm just joking, and I said they're not going to like that, Matt. Uh, my my, I don't think it's is as much of a referendum on uh, the inexperience or lack of you know championship being the guy experience for the animals as it is. We could just go up and down the the Watchmen roster, and there's we talk about the Insomniacs as a Vegas All Star team. The Baltimore Watchmen are pretty much the best players in recent A Seven NFL history from the the Baltimore region. I mean, their wide receivers go uh, uh, list and list and list, and you get to Ant Mo relatively late. They have they have running backs that we don't even talk enough about because everybody's making a play. And their defense is led not by just leaders, but ballers. So, uh, for me, saying that the Watchmen beat the Animals is not a referendum on on how poorly the Animals are suited for the playoffs. I think it would just be the opposite, Matt. It would be the the high level of respect that we not only have for the Baltimore as a whole, but the way that, in my opinion, that they've put this thing together over this season. And they played BIC earlier in the year, and, and without the whole Lenny Manziel, you know, total mishap kind of thing right before that half that was a pretty competitive game in which the watchmen were regularly able to do what they wanted on offense now they didn't have a chance to stop ashanti worthy in a multiple situations but i think that that watchman team has built themselves up to be a true championship contender and for me i just think that not that the animals are bad but the watchmen to me in that round they're just better at the, in that game and they they come out with the win Corey's such a nice fucking guy. Bro, the Watchmen are a fucking Baltimore All-Star team. What are we even sugarcoating this shit for? They're not going to lose to the Animals. Because, Well, you said it. You took a long time to say it. They're not going to lose to the Animals, bro. The Watchmen are literally the best Baltimore players that the A7 has produced. Former championships are or champions are on that team. The Animals don't have enough. It's not. It's, it's Huff versus them. 
baby Joker, this is his first season. Like you said, um, what's the other guy? Um, Shy, um, Shiesty, Lou Shiesty. Yeah. This is Lou Shiesty's first season. They're gonna get a taste of, you know, how this how this league works. But they still they're babies in this, and it's no offense to them, and no offense to how their game is gonna grow. I, I'm even on record saying that guys like Baby Joker, guys like Trey, um, guys like Umar, these guys are the future of the league, of course. But right now is not their time. The Watchmen are going to walk through the animals with no issue whatsoever. None. So I, I don't know why you're Huff disagreeing is gonna with me. Huff is going to score. Because basically no, I'm not we just said the same you. thing. I just think, no, it's but just, you say it's it such from, a nice, I said a it nice sweetheart, sure long-winded, oh, my God. And you're wearing the, the, the animals the are not. The no, this is my life. That. This is my fucking life. Listen, fuck <laughs> that. Fuck that. The animals are, do not suck. But they're not good enough to beat the top three. Period. That's it. Rob, it, it is Rob, what it is. You feel me? Rob like? agrees. Rob agrees with me. Yes, yes, guys, I agree. And that's the thing. You guys are all going chalk, and that's the easy thing to do. I'm just well, trying to present the, the alternative. Well, it's 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 not as much the easy thing to do. It's just like we'd rather be honest with our expectations than try see, to where do you gas somebody winning? up. What was that, Corey? Where do you see the animals winning? I, you know, let's be clear. As great as Huff is at quarterback, two quarterbacks that regularly suit up for the Watchmen are at least on a very similar level. Right? We're talking about John Gauze and OG Buck. We're not talking about a drop off of if we were going from like you know, you know the end. Yeah, no disrespect. Playing, uh, we're know, not right? talking about Lenny Manziel here. We're not talking about Lenny. We're yes. talking about Ace so- and Buck, two guys. Buck, who's now who's never been to the big dance. But Ace, who's won the big dance in 2018. So Ace knows what it takes. Ace destroyed his body on the goal line versus a former NFL player. That guy knows how to win. He didn't yeah. score because I don't think all 260 pounds of that six foot five man versus Ace in that frame was ever going to get over. But the heart Ace had to even attempt that play, that time, last second play. A guy like that is not losing to the animals, whether Huff is there or not. He's just he's just not. If he, if it's not a Steri Codrington right now, and he, even I even feel like I heard Matt say it. It's really it's. What do we feel? Do we feel like it's the Watchmen versus Bic? Well, do we feel does like Bic? Does Bic get revenge uh, on that early se- earlier season loss on the U if Carlos Croslin is 100% healthy? I, and I don't know. Do the U play upset here? Because the U is not the favorite. We know that. We definitely know that the U, now, are, the the U, U that, is not the, the favorite. The U that we saw that beat Bic, they brought the they brought the Miller brothers and and committed to. They look good. A dominant type of run game, but you know, talk about attendance, Rob. We're not going to break anything, but attendance for Bic, eh, something, nothing. Maybe just no, the reason know. why I'm saying the reason why I'm saying nothing is because Bic caught their second win. Steri Kodjicin just revealed for the better part of the, the first half of the season, he was hurt. And now, nobody knew. The next game that BIC plays, because we just talked about it, Rob, they're not playing the buzz this weekend, right, Matt? So the next right. game they yeah. play is that game. No, they have to play the... Oh, that's right. Cause yeah, they, they would be playing... They'd be playing is the winner that of that time game. Off, is that time off enough to make the difference? Well, what well, hasn't... What they put on tape last week... For who? Because it's for the BIC. BIC. They're off. Is three, they're is off three weeks off going to be ru- too much rust, or are they going to be better for it? Yeah, I don't know. They'll be better for it. Everybody will be healed up. Everybody's going to be ready to go. This is playoff BIC, guys. It's not. 
I don't I don't know I don't know how to explain to you guys what it feels like to be in the playoffs, but there's no rest in the playoffs. You're on the edge of your seat every day. You're doing extra workouts. You're eating extra lean, extra clean. Because you want to make it to the big dance. Is it is what it a matter of most recently on in that situation? The you. And do they do they or do they not have a lot of guys that know how to do that too? No, no, that, that's what I'm saying. I agree. That's why I said yeah. that you can possibly play upset. There's still a chance. I know they're Here, not the here's favorite, the thing that but... we didn't see Matt Riddick in the BICU game, the first one. We didn't see a healthy Verardi. We didn't see all of the weapons on display. Did Courage even show up until the second quarter? He always, he always plays the U. Now, he always he plays the U. The I, I, that I know. He always but, plays the U. But no, also, he, he the U the would have to go through a Snow Tribe team that are looking to pick their bones, that are looking to get up one on them. But they should win. They should win. But having and the that... Next, and then the next week, they have BIC, right? Yeah. They, if the U win, they would take on BIC. It would be BIC so, U2. But they also... But also, the U get to play and tune up because it's a meaningless game. So even if they, you know, even if they lose, they really don't. They don't slide because of the head-to-head win against the animals. But they do play the Renegades as a tune-up. They play the Snow Tribe as, you know, a tune-up adjacent. They're gonna. They're likely gonna win, but it's a playoff game. They better show up for that game. Is is that a better situation for your team? Is is those two tune-up games before you play BIC again? Or would you rather be BIC and be able to rest everybody? Everybody's 100% if they, you know, maybe are a little rusty. We're talking about Corey Price not playing the majority of the regular season, so he's healthy for the playoffs. So. Oh, but what I'm. But no, what I'm but like, is, like, no, no, no. But I'm, I'm juxtaposing what you're saying yeah, yeah, against that decision making yeah. process. If I can get a healthy Sterry Codrington for the U, I'm taking that bye week. I'm taking whatever I can to make sure that my guys have the freshest legs possible because you know what the you know what the snow tribe's going to try to do that you defense they're going to try to run the ball they're going to try to get keels going we're going to see the guy that went viral 3.6 million people watching him snuff somebody into the fucking dirt sending them off into the phantom zone like the snow tribe is not going to walk in there and be the guys that gave that gave way to the 80 boys last season I think that game's going to be tougher. And Ryan Shamar is going to use all this as billboard material, and they should. The fact that they are three games away from going to their fifth straight championship, like, that's a fucking ridiculous number in in this league, in any league. This would probably be the year that it's the hardest for any of these teams to maybe even get there. Yeah, but I I do think I'm, I'm willing to go out on a limb to say that I think that based on things that I know about BIC and the things that they've shown us that they are going to be ready for that game and it's going to be interesting to see how they answer what the U was able to do because what the U was able to do in their win against BIC was dominate the, the line of scrimmage when the U was on offense and that made a huge difference now if they're able to do that I think they have a great chance of winning this game but I think what BIC is going to be able to do is it's almost losing to the U and seeing the formula that beat them gives them what they need to get better at so that they're prepared. Because the U is probably going to say to themselves, look, this is how we beat them. We beat them before. Let's do it again. 
And if you have three weeks basically to assume that that's the team you're going to play and make that adjustment, I think that Kenny Stansbury and that defense are probably likely going to be able to make that adjustment. And we'll see what Ryan Shamar is able to do with a counterpunch. But I, I see BIC coming out of that game too, Matt. And so do we – the right now, the hypothetical semifinals, the conference championships for 2023 – are the BIC and the Nightcrawlers? Because I feel like we all believe the Nightcrawlers are coming out of Florida. Yep. And the Chaos, uh, Derek, you believe it'll be sick with it? I you guys think it's Insomniac, so I, I mean, we need yeah. to settle that. Because we, we also skipped over Watchmen BIC. Are we ready to say that the, that, that the Watchmen, all four of us, without a conversation, are worse than BIC and are going to get beat in that game? The team that so the BIC beat Watchmen earlier this season, right? But Watchmen yeah. have gotten better since then, is what we're all saying. I didn't I mean, watch their you, I didn't watch if, their sixty to nothing shellacking, so I, I have not seen what the, what they put on tape that day. They, they've hit that. Um, but what they did in that game against BIC is is they were up, right? And I even said it. Uh, they were up, and then BIC equalized. Was less than two minutes at half. Lenny Manziel. Uh, Lenny Hedrick came in for the Watchmen. He had this fumble play. Olay Bell returned it for a touchdown. And then they, they got the ball back and then scored again. So it was a it was a, a point swing differential, and the, the game ended in a nine-point difference. So the game was about a one-point swing. Now, Rob will tell you, you know, you win, you win the game. You win the game. That's it. Who cares about the point spread? But what I will say is, is that, I think it's a mistake to look past what the Watchmen have been able to build because there's a reason why they, they handedly beat the U the way that they did. And there's a reason why in most of their possessions on offense and defense, they looked like they were at least on the same level as BIC. It's because they're talented. It's because a lot of those guys who could have been selfish are not being selfish. And week in and week out, somehow – no one covers Tony Totap. Marlon Anderson, for whatever reason, is always open. So if he's able to make the kind of big plays that we're used to, they definitely have a chance against BIC and a chance at going to Ohio to face the Nightcrawlers. But again, disagree with me if, if you guys want. I, I think I do agree with Matt, though. I was just trying to be the, you know, the buttoned-up version and give the Watchmen a little bit of a, 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 a you know, kind of a headstone on their season because if they lose to BIC in that regional final, it's a success for them, but they're all going to be disappointed because they have championship on their mind. And I feel like they're a championship level team. It's just that I think that they're playing the eventual champions in that championship game in the Northeast. Rob said it a hundred times that BIC is the champ and they're going to go on a two to three year run. So I, and you guys know this league way better than I do. You see a lot more tape of the East Coast. You watch those games live. You call them. I have to rock with you guys on that. But for me, from the tape I've seen, from the way these rosters are constructed and what happened last season in the championship, I still think the U are the better team between BIC and the U. That is my own Ooh. personal opinion, just based on what I've personally seen and the tape I've seen. For me, it comes down to the quarterback and what Sterry Codrington has done this year against tougher competition statistically over 60% passing in a league where the where you're if you're completing 50 to 45% of your passes you're in the upper tier. The fact that he's thrown and completed more than he's rushed this season shows the evolution of who Sterry Codrington is and I think he's doing a lot of it out of spite. 
to prove that he can play behind center. And also, but is that going to be a bad habit that he's built? Because let's let's be clear, one of Sterry Codrington's most deadly weapons is when he decides I, to take off. I did. I don't defense, think so. Because okay, my thing is, is if he if he waits for just the pass against these higher level teams, he's hurting his own. That team was his mistake against the U. Like I, I, I'll say that. Loss, yeah. Yeah. And 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 if he's able to dash and gash on a defense in one play, and then they have to play honest against the run and open up the one on ones for his wide receivers to get open, that's when their offense is most effective. When he he effectively becomes number one rush option even though they have great running backs including courage ice cream truck and the guy the the rookie who i think is probably going to have one of these games in the playoffs where he breaks out Taheem Duran, yeah but if sterry codrington is the number one rushing threat for that team and you have to put a spy that is either in the box or hovers around the box you can't put a a double team on q bell shanti worthy Kaysan Campbell, or even the, the tertiary and, and quaternary receivers. Trey Cohen. That BIC. We saw yeah. Trey Cohen and go Umar off Blunder in that Lewis. last game. Yeah, Umar Lewis. And that's the thing is I think I think Sterry so heading great, into this is going to be a big, big, big problem because I think he's learned from what happened in that U game. We've seen that offense mature a lot in the back portion of this season. That BIC offense in week six was a problem. And I think that that's going to lead them back to the championship. The only defender in the A7FL that can keep Sterry Codrington from absolutely dominating a game is that little voice in his head that says, don't run, make the throw when the 90-yard touchdown is there. So right. I, I don't think in in the championship-level games, because just like Huff has kind of been building and working the offense and executing the offense in a way to kind of prepare for the next level, I think Sterry has been doing that to to polish his passing ability just so it's, it's at the top level it po- could possibly be. But I will caution that if he gets too pass-heavy, he, he actually acts as a defender against himself because if you take away that rushing ability, it just allows for the defense to more honestly cover the pass, which is not what you want to do schematically if you're BIC. So, I mean, that's interesting, though, Derek. We, I think we've got to gloss over it, but you think the U come out on top against BIC? The, the U is my favorite in the East, period. Nice. Maybe we gotta do a, these little brackets and release them out to Facebook. That's just, just I'm gonna else. I'm gonna be working on that uh, next week. So how about so how about let's even piss off more people and go to because let's just say chaos boom, Ohio, um, nightcrawlers boom Florida. We, we we feel comfortable saying sick what it's gonna be aces. Well, yes. Derek has sick with it coming out of the West, and then Insomniacs beat. OTT at that point. So yeah. the championship would be Insomniac, Sick With It, and Derek, you say Sick With It. Putting those two together at the end of the season, just the way that things have come together, I got sick by three. Just Now, you mentioned Trey Robinson is, is potentially your, 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 your you know, wrench in it. X-Factor. Yes. But what's the reason then for Sick With It? What's the, what's the overwhelming thing for Sick With It that you think is going to carry them and make them at least a favorite. Not that they're going to, you know, blow them out, and, you know, you'll have to answer this later. <laughs> uh, save two players on the team. They are the most selfless 
together team I've ever seen in the A's NFL. What have you seen from the Insomniacs that wouldn't make them as selfless as sick? They've had guys get ejected for fighting. That'll do it. That sometimes does it. But that, that you know, somewhat round, you know, projectile that you throw at, at, at pins is not around the team anymore, is he? He is. He's back he for is. the playoffs, I believe. But That's correct. I think I'm not so. saying that he's the issue. I'm just saying that overall, oh, I mean, the, hey, the if, togetherness if, and how they come together as a unit, I believe Sick is a stronger unit than Insomniacs are as a unit. As individuals, so, Insomniacs have the, have the better talent. And if it was just talent versus talent on the field, Insomniacs, I believe, win that game. But it's a team yeah, sport. I 1,000% give you a hot take. Sick wouldn't make it out of – listen, if Sick wouldn't make it out of the West to make it to the championship, they're going to get blown the fuck out. I promise you that. They're not going to – they're not going to stand a chance. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, okay. it might be close again. Matches – you know, stars make fights, and that's really what it comes out to. And that's why when I look at the Insomniacs, they look so scary. Like, initially, I'm like, okay, they did what we said. They made an all-star team, but so what? Then I'm looking at the linemen they have. Then I'm looking at the corners. And then I'm looking at the DBs. I'm looking, I'm like, damn, these guys are kind of fucking loaded. Yeah, when Scott McCorkle if- talks about that Vegas has a pass rush, he's talking about the one team that has a pass rush, and it's like eight of them on the one team. And they make up enough to, to if he, they spread them out, yeah, they would have a pass rush. The rest of the teams don't. It's on the X do. But just to finish off Derek's point, so basically what you're saying is a slant uh, confirmation that the, the main sickness that all of these top Vegas teams have is that when the chips start to get put you know, on the table and the stacks are pretty close, what we've seen from those top teams, early fall, the pit bosses, they got smacked. When, when, he when basically hunt- saying when it gets tough, they're going to fold. And you yeah, don't but think when, the hunters, is the team when the Hunters were undefeated gonna and they were, they were starting to talk trash, smacked, kryptonite. No, I, they were I, the I get favorite it. in the it. fall championship. And they got I, beat I by get team that. that I, I get that. So, so I I'm just asking that, Derek. You, I'm not I saying you. Land. I, I think the Insomniacs No, no. But I think you kind of land on that a little too much because that has been what Vegas has kind of been doing. But at the same time, you don't think – Respectfully, the Insomniacs have seen enough of that in their heyday to of, not repeat that guys, same mistake. A lot of those guys were on the Kryptonite team that it happened to, and when that's what those, I'm saying. You don't think they learned? Those moments got tight. When those moments got tight, they started to have that little friction that takes away from that winning mentality. And I, I think that they might have what it takes to just throttle through. My take on that game is, is I think the Insomniacs are going to win. I was just asking if if that's kind of what. Derek was seeing the the path for sick with it is that in those moments the sick with it guys stay together where the insomniac guys start to you know yeah I think that's exactly what you said they, 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 teams that are great that don't have not faced adversity and have that little edginess when, th- when things start to go bad they start finger pointing instead of gelling and yeah. that is the only reason why matchup matchup I'm going to pick sick over Insomniacs in a championship game like that, period. If it's just raw talent, man-on-man, it was one versus one uh, across the board, Insomniacs are a better team. 
Uh, but Sonic and Somniacs are better individuals. Let's put it that way. Well, I think so, this is okay. where, in Corey, I'll let you finish your point, but I think this is where we'll leave it off with this particular conversation, and we will have oh, stuff no, on the. Oh no! No, no. All right. So my my thing is is that if you just look at the tape. The way that you beat sick with it is you put pressure on the quarterback and disrupt the timing of their short passing game. And what I think that the Insomniacs can do is exactly that. And when they do that, it's going to be tough for the, the sick with it to match because they have never consistently said, hey, we're going to put this running formation out there and run till you stop it and then do play action. Jeremy Geary has done a great job handling the pocket the way that he does, manipulating the timing in the routes to make sure the ball is out on time. But if we mess up that timing somehow as a defense, as the Insomniacs, and let's be honest, they're trench war that they're likely going to win when they're on offense, and they're going to go with that almost force style, which is that patented win-anywhere style of we can run, and then we can go play action with better receivers over the top, which is what the U does when they're most successful. Right. Um, I think that's going to be too much for Sickwitted in that championship game. But I think it's going to be a, a pretty contentious game if Jeremy Geary can get the ball out on time and those receivers don't somehow get you know pressed at the line and completely canceled out, which is going to be an interesting matchup. Yeah, and, and to, to completely walk it back, the, <laughs> Insomni- <laughs> the, the Insomniac's receiving core is so crazy good if – it comes down to a shootout, they win. And the sick-witted defense isn't strong enough to hold that down if they get into a shootout. But what I'm expecting is the efficiencies of sick and the team togetherness of sick to step out in front. But if it turns into a shootout, I, I don't I don't think – I think Scooter, it's walk with it. If Scooter completes the, the, the well-covered balls that I've seen him complete against the force, against sick-witted in the championship game, sick-witted doesn't have a chance. If he misses those, you know, those those deep open guys where, where Munch or, or some of those other guys are jumping and doing like those head Davik, top catches. Like Davik, you cannot you cannot overthrow the man. So if they understand what they're doing, they have that weapon and there's no wind, they've got a if, huge advantage there. There's no cloud cover. If if the if the weather's you know, is, is relatively ideal for Vegas, it's dry. No, Vegas winters are Vegas summers are windy, especially in the afternoon. As soon as that 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock time frame hits, the winds come in because it heats everything up. It, it happens every day. So it'll be interesting to see how and it all goes the, down. And then and then the Insomniacs just settled to, I don't know, handing the ball off to uh, Bravado. Right. Bravado Wilkerson. So it's a <laughs> that, the, the weapons are scary. But we can be talking. We can conjecture. But we're not going to be the one step. Well, Corey is. This Sunday on A7FL.TV, starting at 1 p.m. Eastern, that is 10 a.m. Vegas time. We'll start things off with the Renegades in the U on the national feed. Action will be all day long on A7FL.TV. And at 4 o'clock, it'll be the Snow Tribe taking on the Watchmen. And then at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, we'll be bouncing between our final game of the year. It'll be the Kryptonite taking on the Force. And the the Omegas will be in action as well. And you can find all the games at A7FL.TV. That is... A7FL.TV out in Vegas this week. A lot of big matchups. But in L.A., the pit bosses and the gold will be travailing through the desert on the proud highway to take on the Los Angeles Aces and also the Santa Monica Vibe. So you're going to want to watch that action live on A7FL.TV. I will not be there this Sunday. I have to run Catalyst Wrestling live in Chilo's Greenwood. And if you 
I want to buy tickets. Buy tickets! For the love of God, buy tickets. You can go to CatalystWrestling.com for that information. LJ Smith will be in my stead this week. Oh, nice. But I'm taking... But I'm taking that fucking chair back right quick when we start the playoffs because if you think that I'm not going to miss, do you think I'm going to miss my fourth straight A7FL playoffs and miss call my fourth A7FL championship? You're a crazy person. Anybody tries to come after that chair on July 23rd, they're getting punched in the throat. Uh, and it's going to be by Rob. But we want to thank everybody for joining us tonight. Derek Duncan, thank you as always for being a fantastic guest and fitting in with the show and being with the shits as always. You can follow us across social media, our bios, our follow, how to follow us, our sponsor, Skillshare. All that information is in the description below, whether you're listening to us that. or watching us. Beat, hey, Matt, boop, don't beat. forget to promo the championship. And that's right. The championship tickets will go on sale this Sunday for the A7FL championship. We'll have more information for, on that on the games of the week on how you can join us in Bullhead City right in the Las Vegas pseudo mega metroplex area it is presented by a7fl nevada the entire weekend is shaping up to be a banger and as we get into the playoffs obviously derek we're gonna have you back on to explain that to our audience you can also listen to the other side of the ball which is now live on wednesdays and it's on so jealous yeah that nice studio i'm doing it here in my fake in my studio like a dummy yeah, yeah, look, there's room for you in Vegas, bro. Just I've, come on down. Uh, I don't know if I can deal with the heat, but <laughs> we gotta we gotta deal with the heat. That is EA Seven NFL action. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the other side of the ball, and be sure to follow all the A Seven NFL action at A Seven NFL TV and A Seven NFL For Corey Hammond, for our guest Derek Duncan, and for Big Rob Fabian, I'm Matt Ryan. Reminding you, as always, don't be an asshole. Try. Hey there, it's Matt Ryan. Are you enjoying this A7FL podcast? Well, I'm glad you are because that means you can give us money. That's right. You can buy our merch right now at tinyurl.com slash A7FL merch. That's tinyurl.com slash A7FL merch. Up there right now, we have some Thick Boy Season merchandise. We've got some Hus Hus shirts. And also, we've got some Corey Hammond-related merchandise coming soon. A Corey Hammond, Corey Hammond's t-shirt, hoodie, and a whole lot more. You can get all of them right now, sent to you nice, comfy, and cozy at tinyurl.com slash a7flmerch. And also, you can find it in the show notes. Now back to that podcast you like.